where, why, or how Yesterday is done, tomorrow might not come I said right now, let's talk now Loud ashtrays Yes, he is here. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you. <laughs> I'm going to talk a lot of shit. Come on, Scott. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm so sorry. I've never uh, been on Anchor before, and I was trying to do it on my computer. Well, you sound good. You sound good, Scott. Thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you. I'm so sorry. Uh, that I'm so um, inadequate when it comes to electronics. It's all good. You're an on- you are a serial entrepreneur. We forgive you. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, let's talk about your book, Scott. I know you have 20 questions answered on being a stand-up comic, and that's your recent book. Do you want to tell us about that book? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Yeah, I've been in the... Uh, stand-up comedy business as a producer for over 40 years and I back in the 80s I wrote a book called be a stand-up comic or just look like one and um, I was reminded that things have changed a bit so I wrote a second book 20 questions answered about being a stand-up comic it's available on Amazon and at the book baby bookstore and it is basically a guide map for those interested in show business on what it takes to uh, uh, look and act properly on stage, and especially on being a stand-up comic, it has some great advice. I think that is absolutely awesome. Hmm. Absolutely something, awesome. Something just for those few people that are crazy enough to want to get on stage, right? Right, exactly. Now, you have a lengthy bio here. You are CEO and owner of many, many things in your in your lifetime. Rebel Ninja Productions, a company that helps organizations and charities raise money through com- to comedy events. Laughs Unlimited, Veterans of Stand-Up Comedy, PodcastingForGood.org, which inform, inspire, impact, an awareness campaign for a nonprofit restoring the hearing to kids born deaf. You have Hurt Here, Elk Scrolls Community Podcast, Producer of disco. I got the mirror ball in my bedroom. You can't. I, I love that. <laughs> Can you dance? Uh, I used to. I used to. Uh, I used to teach disco dancing. I had the angel flight pants and the big uh, collars. It was uh, uh, back when the movie Saturday Night Fever came out with John Travolta. Love oh, I love it. I need to see pictures. Yeah, I don't dance. I don't think he can dance. I think he's just saying that. I think, just saying- I think he could. I think it's like driving a car. You know, you haven't done it for a while. You get back in that bad boy, you find your groove. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's not even all. He also has had, he owns a submarine. My audience definitely wants to know about that. Stand up comedy, your host and MC. As you mentioned earlier, also an author of Be a Stand-Up Comic or Just Look Like One, Comedy Appetizers, a short film, and ScottComedyStuff.com, where you can find all of Scott's stuff. Mm-hmm. You have a construction business. You own a beach shack, life insurance with farmer's insurance, three TV series, mm. three restaurants, including Sticky Fingers, a couple of art galleries, 
You also took uh, part ownership in Snuba, the company where your submarine came from, travel agency. And the biggest one that surprised me the most was just why I know you still got that groove. You was a DJ. So I know you were spinning them records for weddings and school dances. I crossed all my T's. Oh, what kind of music would you play in, please? Well, I got to tell you, first off, you, uh, Topsy, have done an incredible job of research. I think you touched on everything, including my uh, firstborn. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank Uh, you. uh, But, uh, yeah, I was uh, involved in the music industry back in the um, 70s. I know that ages me quite a bit, but we were spinning disco records, putting uh, dance floors and discos into uh, restaurants. And we uh, used to have a portable system, and we would do a lot of weddings and parties. I what, think that's so awesome. What was your favorite song in disco at that time? What was like one song that you hear right now you want to make you dance? And move? Uh, Strawberry Letter 22 was pretty good. Okay. And, um, and then I was different than some of the DJs because a lot of them at the time only played disco. Right. And I liked, I was at heart a rock and roller. So okay. I would always slip in a little uh, Stones or Beatles just to kind of, when the crowd got to a certain. Hey. Uh, hypertonic at you know they were really going crazy in the dance floor you could throw in some good rock and roll yeah you mix hey jude in there uh only when i wanted to uh put people to sleep and let them just relax and rest after dancing okay okay good shit. i love that after a couple it's of a shots song. okay yeah. A couple of shots you have to kind of. Now I know that your first business was at te- at seventeen, and it was A and A Restrive, where you did janitor and striping lines, basically construction. How hard was it at seventeen to open up such a business? Well, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, by the seat of my pants, I um, heard two guys in a bar talking about making money on the weekend striping lawns and lines and parking lots, and I go, "Hey, I could do that." And so I went and talked to the owners of company, big, big construction companies were doing that and kind of borrowed some of their ideas. That's one of my first bits of advice for any future entrepreneurs. No reason to recreate the wheel. Just go talk to the people that are already doing it right. and then do it your way. Right. So, makes sense. Uh, go ahead. No, that makes sense. No, that makes sense. I was, I was confirming what you were saying. That makes sense. I, I was... It's all about copying and mirroring someone you want to be like. Well, it's it's taking their wisdom and knowledge that they've already been in the business for a few years and uh, listening to it, adapting it to what you want to do. Of course, I couldn't do everything these big companies did because I didn't have any money, but I was able to understand if I bought a piece of equipment and I bought some paint and I sold the, the service, I could be uh, making a living. And uh, me and two high school buddies, uh, one of them because he had the money for the machine and the other because he owned a van. So that formed the company. Uh, wow. We were able to stripe all the McDonald's in uh, Northern California, all the Safeway stores. Wow. Uh, we even did an airport. Wow. Little, you know what it is? Little boys have dreams. Men have visions. That's right. That's actually a good saying. Good yes. job. That's one of my models. That's 100% right. Now, you obviously love comedy and helping others, and you do many charities. I'm curious, how was your childhood, uh, Mr. Edward, Mr. Scott? Please tell me. Dr. Laugh. Well, I, I'm, uh, uh, I used to joke I was uh, born with a plastic spoon in my mouth. We had no money. <laughs> and uh, 
uh, none of that silver spoon stuff. We um, struggled, but uh, my folks uh, separated and divorced when I was 10. So I was having to help with the income. Uh, right away, I was mowing lawns, doing paper routes. And then when I got 15, I got my first job. Wow. Wow. With your mom? I'm sorry? You was residing with your mother? You see yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. I had two younger siblings and my mom. And so uh, um, I got a job in a pizza parlor when I was 15. And uh, uh, the rest is history, as they say. I love that. Now, what obstacles have you faced setting up any of your shows? Oh, good one. Well, that mm. is a good one. Mm. Um, I think the, the obstacles in... Hmm. Huh, that's a good one. I, I don't know if I've had... You know, I, I'm one of those people that I don't see them as obstacles. I just... It's the, the next challenge and the next wall to get through. Okay, good. Hey, this is Scott. Point for Scott. He retaliated really good with you. He got you then. He got that you. was a good one. I, I love his um, responses. Now, what got you in from comedy into life insurance? Mm. Uh, well, it was actually the other way around. I was selling life insurance, and I absolutely hated my job. I was like 22 oh, okay. years old trying to explain to people they were going to die someday. Mm. And that you just don't relate to your work when you're doing that. And uh, my father sent me to a comedy club in Los Angeles to said, you know, hey, you're on vacation. I was uh, down in L.A. with my uh, then girlfriend, soon to be wife, soon to be ex-wife and uh, visited the comedy store and met Dave Coulier. And uh, I got the idea that, you know, again, I didn't recreate the wheel. I stole the idea and I said, I'm going to go to Sacramento and open a comedy club. And Dave Coulier hooked me up with Bob Saget who hooked me up with Gary Shandling, who hooked me up with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, and and they all work for me. Do you have what? any death jokes? Do I have any what? Death jokes. I want to hear them. You say you were in insurance and you went into comedy. You got any death jokes? Uh, <laughs> Come on, man. I, I actually have no death jokes, but I killed on stage a lot. I know you did. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. I like that. Okay. What are you? What are your best ups and downs of being a comedian? Um, I think you kind of said, told me what downs were of being in the insurance world. What were your ups and downs of being a comedian? Well, it, it's the, the hard thing about comedy is, is that you, your job is to not only relate and engage with the audience, but also entertain them. So you have to, mm-hmm. uh, unlike an actor that has somebody else writing the material or a right. musician that plays somebody else's song, a stand-up comic has to create the material. It has to be original. It has to be funny. Right. And then you have to have the um, balls to go on stage and present it properly so that everybody, you know, with the right timing, so that everybody um, has fun. I love comedy. Um, comedy is fucking hard. Oh, it is. It is very hard, but it can be very rewarding. It's one of, like a lot of good things in life that are, hard to do uh you're gonna bomb a lot you're gonna fail a lot but when you succeed it's like a drug you get hooked on that uh adrenaline of Mm. feeling that love from the audience it's amazing i mean it kept people like red skelton working well into his 90s or or frank sinatra singing until he was you know older it's it's the energy you get from the audience yes yes that can be a drug now, do you remember your first act? 
with um, the uh, when I opened my club, Laughs Unlimited, it was the first of a chain of three comedy clubs. It was back in August of 1980. So again, I'm an old guy. And when I first opened the club, uh, my very first act on stage was out of Phoenix, Arizona. His first time working out of town. His name was Gary Shanling. Mm. And uh, the uh, feature act was Peter DePaula, a magician. And the headliner was George Wallace, who ended up being ah. Mr. Las Vegas. He had his own theater in Vegas for oh, over yes. 12 years. That well, is so awesome. You kept on, you, you brought it up twice. How, I got to know now because I'm looking at my emails. How old are you? I'm 67. You're not old. You're still got groove. I'm like, <laughs> well, like, thank you so much, Topsy. All right, let's go. Welcome. Shoot him down, Topsy. Shoot him down. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, I was reading all about you, and I just thought you was amazing. Um, oh, now I know you are. You. You're welcome. I know you're a Sacramento native. Do you still reside in Sacramento, California? Yeah, I've not been the adventurous type that's toured the world. <laughs> I, I started my first company here in Sacramento, and I've just I've planted deep roots. I know a lot of people. I have a lot of connections. And that's another thing about business is that once you get into something, you meet people, and then those connections can help you with other businesses and other adventures down the road. Yeah, it's who you know, 100%. Are there people sleeping on your, your, your porch? <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, I, I put out a no vacancy sign. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Who is the hardest? Who is the hardest working comic in your opinion? Oh, I would have to say uh, both Jerry Seinfeld and Jay Leno, and sadly, my good friend Bob Saget until he passed away. These are guys that have millions of dollars. There's no reason for them to work. They've had huge success, but they love the interaction with the audience and stand-up comedy so much that they're still out on the road doing huge sold-out concerts. And uh, they, they just uh, love the industry and, and just keep doing it. I, I think that's fascinating. You know, a lot of people work a job after 20, 30 years and they're tired of it and they want to just uh, relax and, and um, stop working. And these guys made all their money, got all their fame and fortune and said, you know what? I really love stand up. I'm going to go back out on the road and risk it because they could still bomb or have a bad joke or, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So uh, it's pretty brave of them to do. I always wanted an autographed denim shirt from Jay Leno. Um, I've got a few of his autographs. I'll see if I can ink print it on a shirt for you, buddy. <laughs> I want one. I want one. <laughs> you know, the world really lost an amazing human being when Bob Saget passed away. So I definitely want to do that moment of silence for him. And um, I'm sorry for your loss as well, honestly. Uh, he was a, an amazing guy that uh, a lot of my career, uh, he was the foundation of. And, uh, uh, thank you for saying so. He was uh, a special guy and, and uh, a unique talent in comedy. And how has his death affected you? Well, it was just that he was such a strong part of the industry. He, you know, he had a duality to him that a lot of people don't know. You know, we played Danny Tanner on Full House and was Mr. Clean 
and then he'd get on a comedy stage, and he uh, was really funny, but he was really edgy. Yeah, people don't realize that Bob Saget had the dirtiest jokes around. I mean, he was the best of the best. Yeah, I mean, he really was. Yeah, yeah, no, he uh, um, was so. A lot of people don't know he was a pretty good musician in his early comedy days. Right, he always had a guitar on stage, and he would sing. Filthy songs. <laughs> ah, do you remember he a had, line? He had a, a guitar on Full House a lot as well. Right, right, right. But different songs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is correct. Very different songs. Do you remember she rated, rated quick. Scott, do you remember yes. any lines from his dirty songs? Any line? Oh, um, no. And I would, uh. would not plagiarize him by trying to... Uh, <laughs> do what he did but uh keep in mind when he worked for me which was from about 1980 to uh 1991 mm -hmm. he was a regular at my club and then his fame took over and uh, you know we stayed in communication but he was uh he had moved on to the next level yeah. but uh back in those days it was a lot of experimentation remember this was before they were famous so right. dana carvey Leno, Seinfeld, Ray Romano, these guys, um, Ellen DeGeneres worked for me. They were just trying to find their voice in mm. entertainment. Amazing. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I have a question real quick. I, I don't mean to jump off because, you know. So when you remember um, Ellen, is she, you remember her as a different person or is she the same that you had remembered her as? Well, Ellen was a featured act for me. She was mm -hmm. still working her way up the comedy ranks, and she was not out of the closet. I think it was obvious to anybody that knew her that she was a lesbian, which was yeah. fun. We had a lot of uh, gays in entertainment. Right. But it was not a part of her act, right? It wasn't. She wasn't sharing that at that point. Her comedy was more driven by women's issues and family relationships. Okay. That's that's awesome. Speaking of females, um, and disclaimer, this uh, young female comic this did put out an apology. Any thoughts on the Tiffany um, Tiffany Haddish um, performance when she kind of bombed it? I'm not um, a very hip guy, so I'm not aware Ooh. of that. What did she do? Man, let me tell you. <laughs> I, I was... I felt like I was her. I was embarrassed. I cr I, I was cringy. She did. She just actually got on stage like she was unprepared. Oh right. And well, you want to hear? Horrible. Go ahead. Tell me what happened. She, she had no jokes. She was just talking about how she was drunk and high, and there was yeah. But it was so. It was so. I cringed when I watched the video. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's that happens once in a while. I mean, uh, I know this is hard to believe, but stand-up comics like actors are human beings, uh -huh. and their frailties and their uh, phobias come out sometimes. You don't ever want it to happen on camera or on stage, oh. but it happens. But uh, I, I'll tell you a quick side story. Okay. There's a lot of these people that are getting famous on TikTok and Instagram because uh -huh. they do reels. And they might get like, you know, 100,000 or half a million followers. Mm -hmm. Well, then somebody will book them thinking they're funny because they do all these little short 10-second and 20-second reels. So they put them in a theater and say, okay, now entertain 2,000 people. Guess what? They don't have an act. 
They've never worked with an audience. They don't know how to engage with an audience. They've only been looking at their uh, phone, right? So right. even though they have all these followers, they have not uh, done the work, as you just pointed out, they haven't done the work to be prepared for an actual entertainment show. That's in your face. That's what Scott Edwards said. In your face. That's my in comedy. <laughs> in your face, you bum. I, I think Topsy said stand-up comedy is hard. Uh, or Burns, you said it's it's hard. Yeah. It is. You got to work at it. You got to you got to understand. There's going to be lows. There's going to be highs. And you got to write new material and be able to hone it and work it so that everybody in the audience can relate to it and make them laugh. Yeah. It's it's one of the hardest jobs ever. And for these people that think they can do a, a 10 second reel, that it's the same as entertaining in front of a thousand people. Uh, they just, they have lessons to be learned, right? Life yeah. lessons. Like, you 10 times and keep on getting back up those 10 times. That's hundred percent correct. I, I, I exactly. I appreciate that, Scott. Kick them in the balls. Kick them in the balls. That's right. <laughs> well, you just, you, I just want, you know what it is, sir? I have respect for people that do the work. You know, I've started over a dozen companies and none of it was ever handed to me. I had to do the work. I had to learn. I had to educate myself. I had to do the research. In show business, you have to practice, 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 write, 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 and then perform. And mm -hmm. It's it's as I keep saying, and I know this is boring to the audience, but you you really have to put in the work. Yeah, That's awesome. Oh, by the way, though, I did go to a nice restaurant. They were uh, known for the specialty that uh, uh, they have gold soup. Have you Ooh. ever had gold soup? No, you know you know it's you know it's gold soup because it's got twenty four carrots. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good dad joke for you. I love that. I got to talk to my kids. Oh, my God. Now, who is your favorite female comic? Well, I had a chance to work with Elaine Boozler, um, Paula Poundstone, Ellen DeGeneres, um, a, a lot of really talented, funny people. Kathy Ladman. In fact, she's going to be on The uh, Tonight Show next week, uh, next Friday. Uh, Kathy Ladman. But all these people um, are uh, tremendously funny. I just reconnected with Marsha Warfield, who's on, used to be on Night Court. Now she's yes. on the new Night yes. Court. Well, I got a good one for that one. Yes, I'm listening. Yeah. And so, you know, I've had a chance to work with many very talented female comics. I will say, sadly, there's not as many female comics as there are male comics. Right. Uh, Joan Rivers was a classic. She helped really establish mm -hmm. women in comedy. Oh my gosh, so my hat's off to Joan Rivers. But uh, yes. it it uh, there's some very funny ladies out there. Now I got eight comics. Okay, I got four females and four males, and I want your thoughts on these comedians. Okay. Um, well, if, if if I know them, I hope. <laughs> Ali Wong. I'm sorry. Ali Wong. See, I I'm not. I, I should explain to your audience. Did did you hear the part about being sixty seven? Uh, I uh, when I owned my comedy clubs, it was from uh, the eighties and the nineties, and then I continued to book comedy fundraisers. I still do it today. Um, in fact, I'm doing a big show in Placerville next month. 
but right. it is um I'm not really hip to any of the new talent that's playing the clubs. Um, is Ali a funny guy? Ali Wong is hilarious. Um, I, I have, will look him up. Yeah, she's a female. She's Ali Yong. Oh, Wong. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. But the male is Joy Coy. Joy Coy was the one of the males. Hey, hold on. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna write this down and check yeah. it out because. Uh, um, I do want to, you know, be a little bit more aware and a little less old. Um, no, Allie, Allie, what's Allie's last name? Wong, W-O-N-G. And then the, the young male comic? The young male is Joy, J-O, and then K-O-Y, J-O-K-O-Y. Right. Well, you know what? I just want to say thank you for enlightening me to who is funny, and I will go check them out. Yes, yes. Well, you know, I want to make sure that everybody understands that entertainment is generational. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I work, I was very lucky at a young age to work with some of the biggest names in show business that they, they were big names. Then they were nobody then, but now they're big names. But as time's gone on, we're talking four decades later, um, the comedy has changed. The audience has changed. And of course, mm. uh, comedians come and go. It's a tough industry. Very few make it more than a few years. Mm. So the guys I still work with were the ones that successfully made a career out of stand up back in the eighties uh, and nineties. And the new guys coming out, it's hard to keep up on, you know, re who's really good and who isn't. So I appreciate it. I'll check out, uh, Allie and, uh, Joe. Oh, absolutely. You're going to love them. I, I, and whenever you want more, just hit me up and I'll be more than happy. I'm in that thread text message. You could lock my number in and I'll be more than happy to send over uh, comedians that I, I think, in my opinion, are extremely funny, like Christina P and Aziz. These are hilarious. You got Chris DeStefano, who has Tourette's disorder and is one of the funniest com comedians I know nowadays, along with Anthony Jesonik. So these are hilarious. I'm talking about just absolute hilarious. And I'll send you those um, people in a text message. Oh, that is so sweet. Thank you so much, Topsy. I look forward to checking them out. And I want to, again, apologize to your young, hip audience. No. This is a, uh, an old, non-hip entertainer. <laughs> no, don't you dare apologize. This is, a, this is a pleasure that our audience gets to hear you. Um, and speaking of our audience, I'm in Orlando, Florida. So, Scott, I know that you're going to be in attendance at the ninth, ninth Annual Multimedia Expo in person uh -huh. at the Renaissance Orlando SeaWorld as a guest speaker on January 26th to 29th. My one question is, are we going to have coffee afterwards? Got you. Got you. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes. And, and, and the coffee will be on me. Good. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, there's a, um, a huge convention in Orlando coming up in a couple weeks called PodFest. P-O-D-F-E-S-T. And if you're a podcaster, it's a great way to make connections, learn new things. It is a learning uh, opportunity for me and um, also get a chance as a speaker to share my um, opinion and my lessons in life and podcasting. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for bringing that up, Topsy. Absolutely. Absolutely. The people have to know that you are awesome and what you're doing and, you know, just to keep on, you know, the life of comedy, you know, especially nowadays with the cancel culture. 
Um, what are your thoughts on cancel culture? You know, I know it's frustrating. So what are your thoughts on that? Tell me about it. Well, it is it is a challenge. And we were just I was just commenting on how entertainment is generational. You know, the stars on on TV and movies that I grew up with different than we have today. But when it comes to this woke society and counterculture, it's really unfair judgment of people's person, you know, extend comic rights as material about and from his perspective of life and tries to make it funny mm-hmm. so that the people in the audience can relate. And when the audience turns on them and judges what they're saying because of their personal piccadillies, uh, I think it's wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm old school. I think the majority rules. And if I'm entertaining 200 people in a comedy audience and two people get their nose bent out of shape, I go, screw them. I'll say it for you. I'll say it. Fuck them. (laughs) You know, here's what I don't get. You guys are young and hip. Explain this to me. If you're going to be that opinionated and have that thin of skin and can't laugh at yourself, why the fuck are you going to a comedy club? Exactly. I'll tell you why they're going there. Just to be crybabies. Yeah, just to judge. I, I, I seen the Dave Chappelle one, right? And you see those two girls that you see, and they was not laughing. You wasn't there just to be entertained. You were there to judge because you already know who Dave Chappelle is. Why the fuck are you going there for? I don't care. Can't yeah, I, I don't understand. You know, if you don't, what's, what was the old, old uh, mom saying that if you, you can't stand the heat, get out of the oven, right? Yeah, I got that's what they're trying to say. <laughs> well, I, uh, I have to uh, get going, but I wanted to uh, share with everybody, uh, first, a huge thanks to uh, you two for uh, letting me uh, share a few minutes on your amazing podcast, but also that uh, anybody looking to have a judgment-free piece of comedy my podcast, Stand Up Comedy, Your Host and MC, Stand Up Comedy, Your Host and MC, is a very it. funny way to uh, not only hear some great stand up comedy from the past, because I have recordings from my TV shows and albums, uh, but also some new interviews with professional entertainers. Tomorrow, in fact, I have an interview with uh, Bob Fisher, the owner of the Ice House oh. Comedy Ooh. Club. So, some really interesting information and lots of laughs. So if you guys get a chance, check out the podcast, Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC. Got guys, not miss out on the Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC with Robert Scott Edwards. It was a pleasure. Yes, it was, Scott. I appreciate that. And thank you for being with Mr. Burns, Mr. Burns, Mr. Burns. I cheer myself on. I don't need Wow, you. there's three of you. I had no idea. <laughs> Praise.